Hello, today we're going to be talking about the disaster that was the turning point event at Ohio State University and the general controversy it started, as well as the general conservative rift that has become apparent in the past few weeks. And uh, we're happy to be back. Sorry we've been gone. I actually enjoy the event a lot. It was I... fun, it was chaotic, um, and it showed, the main, it showed mainstream conservatives that there was... Um, that there's dissidents among them, big time, that they need to rectify their ways. Or fix, or change their ways, not rectify. <laughs> I have a response, but go ahead, Sandy. Yeah, what did I am um, the exact opposite of both those opinions. I thought it was a horrible shit show, and I came <laughs> in there with a different expectation altogether. I wanted to hear some good questions, some hard questions, What be it from liberals, left-leaning, or like uh, true conservatives, and we only heard some... Crazy, as they call themselves, what? Or no, they don't groipers, call themselves groipers. groipers is they what really? they call themselves. Yeah. Yes. So, essentially, for anyone who doesn't know what we're talking about, what happened was last week, right? Was it last week? Last Tuesday, uh, Charlie Kirk and Turning Point USA came to Ohio State, and they set up and had their event. There, of course, a lot of protests, but what nobody expected was a band of miscreants, is what I would call miscreants? them. Miscreants? Okay, can you define that real quick? <laughs> a band of trolls, essentially, yeah. came on behalf of an internet star by the name of Nick Fuentes, who is a member of, well, the alt-right, the identitarian right, whatever you want to call it. They swarmed the front of the line, and they asked Charlie Kirk a bunch of questions that put him on the spot, that essentially, on the one hand... Well, Fahad said that it did expose Charlie Kirk for what he was, in a lot of ways, a fake conservative and a grifter. I also agree with Zane that, essentially, of all the people to expose Charlie Kirk, I didn't want it to be the Nick Fuentes crowd. So, essentially, I agree with you both in a lot of ways, um, because I thought it was a shit show, but I certainly thought it was an entertaining shit show, uh, to say the least. You know, it was very funny, uh, but... What we're bummed about is that me, Fahad, and Zane all had questions to ask, but we didn't get to ask them. And we were all standing in line. Right, we were all standing in line. The line was long. Yeah. It was long. It It was was long. It was about, like, what, 40 people? Yeah, but the thing was, we had, I feel as if we had more legitimate questions than the people who were up there just saying, oh, well, uh, you know, what do you think of, uh, you know, identitarianism, and what do you think of immigration, and this and that, which, you know, were just, it was, those questions were bait, you know, they were, they were bait, I don't think they were asked. How were they bait, like, what were they trying to get Charlie to say? I think they weren't they weren't trying to get a response out of him. They were trying to expose him. They were trying to you know gotcha moments. Yes, they had like the gotcha moment. You know what I'm saying? So like when Patrick Casey went up there, Patrick Casey, uh, for those of you who don't know, is a nut job like Nick Fuentes. He was thrown out of CPAC, uh, as he mentioned in the questions. But he went up there. No, but and what's what's his ideal like ideological spiel? His ideological spiel. He's a white identitarian, is what they call him. All right. So essentially, he believes in white identity politics. He believes that uh, you know white people as a race need to stick together and need to band together against all other racial groups. And what he went up there first, I mean, he had a little exchange with Charlie Kirk where he asked about Nick Fuentes, and then his question is, "Would you be willing to debate me?" on um, immigration and demographics. And I'm like, dude, what are you doing? You know, like, this is a Q&A for people who have legitimate questions about what Charlie had to say. This is not for you to come up there and advertise your yourself uh, with your, with your you know, nut job ideas. Uh, but that, that, that essentially is just one example of 
the several other questions that we heard. But, I mean, Fahad, you had a legitimate question. What was your question? Um, given that the U.S. and Saudi Arabia are allies, uh, I know that Charlie Kirk, he's, he's very anti-Muslim. So, given that Saudi Arabia and the U.S. are allies, uh, what should we do to improve our relationship with Saudi Arabia and other Islamic countries right. that are slowly shifting towards Chinese um, influence? Right, and I feel like that question... That would have put him on the spot, too, but it would put him on the spot from a different angle. Right, and it's also a lot more of a legitimate question. It's not, are, would you be willing to debate me on mm-hmm. Saudi Arabia or yeah. something like that? And the evidence for him being against Saudi Arabia is that um, he said that we shouldn't. We should be exporting oil and not importing oil from right. theocratic dictatorships or something like something along the lines of that. Theocratic oh, extremist okay. things. Yeah, I remember that he said that something along those lines. But um, I, my question, I remember getting handed a pamphlet by YDSA outside the event, and one of the top quotes was something. What's, what's YDSA? Um, Young Democratic Socialists. Um, oh, okay, here yeah, at OSU. Yeah, they were protesting. And yeah, they were protesting with what, a trombone and. and um, <laughs> Some shout down, some wonderful chants. But what was interesting is the top of that pamphlet that it talked about um, Kirk's um, ideas on climate change. And I wanted to come at it from an entrepreneurial business perspective. My question was going to be given uh, that climate change to many in this audience might not exist. Um, what I think I think most of them agree that oh, climate change. I think so because you think I think right. that there were OSU students for the most part. I was going to bring up that the government has subsidized oil and fossil fuels and mm-hmm. mentioned that we are the second largest um, producer of renewable technology in the world mm-hmm. and that China is beating us and this market is in the, like billions of dollars and mm-hmm. we need to transition in terms of just entrepreneurial growth. We need to be the best. Were you gonna, in... were you gonna be the thorium guy? Yeah, I was gonna oh, say, man. yeah, I was gonna, gonna be the thorium, thorium guy. Yeah, there was a thorium dude over there who was yeah. like... No, I know that guy, tall, I, know, I know who you're talking about. The tall, tall, tall guy, guy with the beard. beard. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he actually, um, I saw him at another event last night, uh, and he had the same <laughs> question. It was about, it was gonna be about thorium, mm-hmm. and uh, I think that would've been an excellent question, because I'm curious as to what, you know, I, for one, I think Charlie Kirk probably wouldn't even know what you were talking about. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I, I was, was going to be really stated, good. would you be behind renewable energy? He would probably just say, oh, I don't know anything about it. You know, mm-hmm. like, uh, but, but socialism sucks, libtard. Yeah. Uh, you know, and that's that's kind of Charlie Kirk in a nutshell, I feel yeah. like. He only, he's really good at just owning liberals at, main, at like, very common liberal arguments about, yeah. about social issues rather yeah. than issues that actually matter. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And that's, the, that's I think, the, the main problem with the Turning Point crowd is, like, there's a complete lack of engagement where it's, like, you're kind of just repeating mantras from, like, 2015 that were really edgy and cool, like, when I was in high school, but that, like, everybody's kind of like moved after on. The, after yeah. the Trump election, people have different concerns now. Pretty much, yeah. And uh, that that should be reflected in how he's choosing to contribute to the conversation. Yeah, and it just felt like a stump speech. But that was the thing, is, like, my question for Charlie was, you know, his mantra is big government sucks. And I agree with that in principle. I'm not a fan of a big federal government. But my question was going to be to him was, look, Charlie, you've said that big government sucks, but you're also a Trump supporter. Now, uh, I don't know about you, but I think the government has been getting bigger over the past 50 years, and I, I, I really question whether or not Trump represents a cessation of that uh, growth of the federal government or if he's supposed to represent 
uh, a continuation of it. And so I was going to cite the fact that originally George Washington had eight executive orders in his two terms as president. Mm -hmm. By the end of Barack Obama's first term, he had about 146 executive orders. Trump now has about 132 executive orders, mm -hmm. and he still has one more year in his first term. How is it that Trump does not represent a continuation of, a, of the growth of the federal government? And I cite executive orders because that's essentially uh, the, the, the executive branch writing a blank check on a law uh, without you know, any consent of the people. And it's, I think, a lot of the reason that the, federal, the um, executive branch has come to matter a lot more. Because uh, it never used to be um, – the power never used to be in the hands of a strong man who was in the executive branch. And I don't think it should be because, you know, what – I mean there's supposed to be a lot more checks and balances and Congress is supposed to be the one who is arbitrating uh, the law, not the president from his pulpit. So <clears throat> so that was going to be my question for Charlie, uh, and I would have asked it in good faith because maybe there is a good response. Maybe there is an explanation. But, of course, we did not get to it. I think his answer would be along the lines of immigrate. He'd cite the travel ban uh, yeah. going right into his election. I think he'd cite any issues of national security and really only covet those and then kind of ignore the rest. So would yeah. you have an example of an executive order that's more social, domestic, that you think would maybe disprove his point on saying, oh, yeah, it's for national security. The the trans there was the transgender thing with the military. Oh, yeah. Yeah. That wasn't really about national security. And, like, the national security thing I don't think would be a good enough response either because, like, that's – that's I you know, if you just say national security as your, you know, uh, as your rationale, I think ever since the Patriot Act people are – you know, they don't really accept that as an explanation. Uh, but I think maybe it could be that most of those – and I, ha I have not looked at all of the executive orders, but it, I think it could be that a lot of his executive orders were rolling back Obama's executive orders, and so that could be the case. But of course, you know, I don't know uh, enough about the nature of the executive orders. Uh, I figure had, Charlie Kirk doesn't either. He had two either, but, you know. um, executive orders that rolled back 38 um, climate initiatives set right. by Obama administration. Right. So, you know, the nature – not all executive orders are created equally, I understand. But I think the sheer number um, – Mm -hmm. does does mean something. And I think even if you were to discount those executive orders that were passed in order to roll back Obama-era uh, regulations, then you would still have a good lot of... Uh, you would still have a good lot left behind that are just Trump arbitrating for the bench. Mm -hmm. So these are all conversations we meant to start mm -hmm. in order to... I don't know if you want to say expose Charlie Kirk, but, you know, we... I mean, that was... To expose inconsistencies within his own... Within his own philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. But I think in a lot of ways it represents... What a lot of this represented and what really this whole thing showed me is the rifts that have come about in conservatism in the past, I don't know, two, three, two to three years. Mm -hmm. Because I think if you go back to, like, 2015, you, pro you saw a lot more unity. Mm -hmm. You know, you saw, like, Prager University... Um, and Stefan Molyneux sort of being on the same side with stuff. And then gradually after Trump won, they all began to hate each other again. Um, of course, the divide used to be between the never-Trumpers and the very pro-Trumpers, but now I think we're a lot more atomized than uh, we used to be as a movement. And I don't know, what do you boys think? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? I, I think... Well, do you think that's the case is, my, is what is I would ask question. first. Yeah. That the American right has become more divided. 
Yeah. Do you think we're? Uh, yeah. I mean, if I were to say comparatively to the left, I would say still more unified. More, so no, you think really? more, we're more unified than the left? More unified than the left, even if some divisions have grown. I don't know along what fault lines. Well, well, let's think about that. The rule of the law, like the the Nixon rule of law, um, older generation versus maybe the our our generations, our peers, who maybe support policies that are not Reaganomics and et cetera, et cetera. What yeah, you, I, wait, 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 what do you, what do you mean by Nixon? Um, so Nixon ran on a platform that said he w- there was a uh, like skyrocketing crime rates right um, leading up to his election but throughout the decade before and after his election and basically he said I will bring the rule of law I will stop crime because I mean homicide rates vandalism like all of these different crimes were mm-hmm. skyrocketing people were scared and no one had a good explanation for it so um, I'm saying that message ran well for the Republican Party for the next 20, 25 years. So I'm contrasting that, the older demographic, to our newer one who sees uh, economic shifts in terms of, I'm going to always bring up my Yang point, uh, automation, but also um, growing uh, domestic uh, unrest. This guy likes Yang, in case you didn't know. I'm wearing my Yang sweatshirt right now. (sighs) God, I I was hoping we would stray away from that. Does that distinction make sense? Um, yeah. yeah, so the problems and issues that people were talking about back then are no longer the problems, are no longer the problems of today, yeah. right? Yeah, I agree with that. I feel like the there's more separation than that, though. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Well, like, how is actually go on? I was going to mention something about um, boomer conservatism versus zoomer conservatism. Right. So, like, you know, the uh, it's a bit of a meme. You know, like the boomer. Uh, versus no, but it's, the it's, a, it's a legitimate idea. No, it is. It is, but it, it's. I'm, I'm just saying the way you frame it. So, like, you have the. I think the divide is more, um, is more atomized than that. I think it goes like you have Reaganomics people, um, like John Stossel, and um, you know, the, I, have, I have never John, heard that name. The Milton Friedman types, John oh, Stossel, okay, yeah, yeah. Reason TV, big libertarians, mm-hmm. uh, Rand Paul, people who are very like fiscally conservative, but like. I would really say care about social issues. issues. Yeah, they're not really socially liberal at all, um, but like they're not socially conservative either. And you know, those are the people who thrived from the sort of yuppie conservatism, the Reaganomics of the 1980s, uh, and they're the people who first hit the scene in like 2015, and we're saying, oh, well, you know, like socialism is on the rise and stuff like that. Sort of like your Arthur Brooks, you know, American Enterprise Institute types. Uh, you have that group, and then you have, I think, you have the religious right. Um, who's mainly composed of evangelical Christians. Anti-abortionists. And, uh, anti-abortionists. Uh, they were very, um, people who were very vocal about gay marriage mm-hmm. and uh, people who really more focused on the social issues and maybe who set the um, the or set the, the um, fiscal issues to the side. Then you have the neocons. Okay, tell me about the neocons. That's so, the one I'm least familiar with. I think the neocons. Wait, what was that, Zane? I, I could barely hear you. I said, what are, who are the neocons? <laughs> okay. The neocons, I would say, are basically you take the libertarian uh, Reaganomics people and you add a foreign policy uh, lens to it. So they are people who are super hawkish, super into intervention, and they, you know, they essentially embody the Bush era. Of, uh, of, of conservatism. You have them, and then I think— Wait, it, how is that neo— if that's kind of old. That's, that's just 
Well, it, it's that, called that... neoconservatism, but that's just kind of the name. It's just kind. It's just kind of a colloquialism. It is kind of inaccurate because what is the neo of today? Yeah, you know, like the neo of today is Zoomer. Groiper, whatever. We'll introduce that later. Well, well, I'll get to that. Let me get to my next group. The next group, I would say, is the paleocon America First Trump types. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, I'm obviously throwing a bunch of terms from, that's together. That's different from neocon. Absolutely. Because so wait, what, what are the different cons that we described right now so far? Paleo-con, so we neo-con. we have libert- – well, we have uh, libertarians. I'll just say libertarians. You have the religious right. Let's call them the Tradcons. The Tradcons. That's religious, right? Yeah, the Tradcons. Yeah. This sounds so made up. The Tradcons. <laughs> no, it's a real term. It's a real term. Look that up. Google that shit. Um, the Tradcons. You have the um, the Trump. We, con- we said libertarians. Tradcons. So libertarians. They focused on fiscal, very fiscally conservative economics. Absolutely. Very conservative economics. Pretty much. Um, Tradcons who focus on religious religious issues. And social the, issues. And social issues. And then you have the neocons who we said uh, are basically on foreign policy. Well, they're they're libertarians with a special uh, with with a foreign policy twist, you know what I'm saying? Um, so then after that is the I guess you could call them the paleocons or just the Trump people. Um, they're very against foreign intervention anywhere. They hate foreign intervention. They're all about America first, but they're not libertarians because a lot of them are economic nationalists. Um, and they're also not religious right because they don't tend to really focus on social issues either. So there's that group. And then lastly, there's the alt-right who are essentially, I mean, that term has been thrown around so much, but these people are white identitarians much of the time. They believe that, uh, they don't all believe in an ethno-state. Uh, that was that was just Richard Spencer. But the they they adopt the, the term of white identitarianism. Their focus is immigration and demographics and race, you know, and that's 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 the center of their entire philosophy yeah they're the type to say that uh the immigrants have taken our jobs and uh what was that there's a big demographics our destiny is yeah. one Ooh. yeah that's one of their their oft repeated tropes uh, but those are there there really are more groups than that but i'd say in terms of broad separations i'd say that's pretty much how it how it how it lines up so paleocons are economic na- nationalists yeah. And they are against foreign intervention, and that's contrast with the neoconservatives, who are libertarians, and with a very hawkish foreign policy. Yeah, we discussed libertarians, we discussed traditional conservatives, we discussed the alt right, as well. Yeah, and then, um, and which one do you think is the most pop- popular with boomers, and which one do you think is the most popular with zoomers? Uh, boomers being the are. The twenty-year-old people, twenty-something-year-old people of today's parents, and the Zoomers being the twenty-something-year-old generation of today. Yeah, so twenty-something and below, like early, like twenty-five-ish and below. Zane, do you want to jump in? Uh, no, I'm good. I want to hear that. All right. Um, I mean, just from my own thought, at least, is that the if you want to talk about um, what you know, a baby boomer would believe, mostly it's neoconservatism. Um, it's neoconservatism mixed with some paleoconservatism. Uh, so, you know, you talk to a lot of people who are, who are older, you know, I mean, you know, a lot of them are Trump supporters. You might say that's where you find the paleoconservatives and stuff like that. But I think like the old Republican elite 
So you think of um, Mitch McConnell, you think of Lindsey Graham, Mitt Romney, they're all neocons. They're all pretty much left over from the Bush era, and they're all they were they were originally the Never Trumpers, but essentially that's where you see, I guess, what you call you know like Boomer conservatism is like this sort of the old guard of conservatives, uh, who ironically are called neocons. Uh, they're very hawkish on foreign policy. They're very much about you know economic liberalism. They all opposed Obama, and you know yada 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 what have you. But then. Of course, there's the the rising Trump conservatives, who are which are paleocons, you said. Yeah, which are more paleocons. You know, the like Corey Lewandowski and uh, Steve Bannon. Everybody, everybody in in Trump at Trump's side, basically, um, who didn't just leave. That's why, like John Bolton was is is like the neocon. He's like their pope. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And so, like, when he was even – when he became part of the administration, I actually I actually was pretty shocked by that because I just thought it was so out of whack. Because John Bolton, I mean, he was – back on in the Bush era, he was, you know, big with the Iraq War, big with the war in Afghanistan. He was such an interventionist. And even got to the point where when we came close to war with Iran back in, like, August, uh, I remember reading a CNN article that blamed John Bolton. It said, this was all John Bolton's fault. John Bolton did this. Um, and I was like, oh, I guess he just he just couldn't resist being a hawkish conservative while he was there, you know. So I thought that was just kind of funny. Wow. Hey, and John Bolton's willing to uh, testify in court if if it clears the way. Um, right. So like, I feel like that's one war that's going on. It's like in a lot of ways, the never Trump, uh, the never Trump neoconservatives are still fighting against the the the, the Trumpers, and I think that's what that represents mm-hmm. in a lot of ways. Um, because really you'll find still people like Mitt Romney um, and mm-hmm. uh, Lindsey Graham are willing to fight Trump, and they're willing especially to fight him on foreign policy issues. It's actually interesting that you mentioned that because, okay, I'm an economic nationalist. I'm, an, I'm against foreign intervention. Does right. that put me in, in the paleoconservative category then? Well, I don't know. I mean, that, what, what I mean by economic nationalist is that I think that American uh, money should be taking care of Americans first. Yeah. Yeah, that's all I mean by that. Yeah, I mean, you know, I again, that's why. That's I'd, say, I'd say you're a hawk more than right. Anything. But that's why. That's why I said that there, these groups are broad, and that it's hard to say that like there's more atomization, there's more separate separation. So usually, I wouldn't say like you know you're definitively in one category or another, but you're closest to one category or another. Right. Does that make sense? Mm-hmm. So like, I mean, that'd be for you to determine. I can't put a label on. Uh, in terms of what you are ideologically, but I think you could say like which one do you think you're closest to? And I mean, you know, I think that, probably paleo conservative. I don't like Trump at the same time, right? But I like Yang. <laughs> you like Yang. Basically, there's yeah, like Yang a, there's, is a, hella there's a small bubble over here, and it just says Yang, and that's yeah. it. Yeah, Yang is he's an economic nationalist somewhat. Or, somewhat. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it's hard. That's why it's hard because. A lot of these, um, out of the a lot of these labels, more amount to colloquialisms than actual scientific terms. Right. I mean, like when I, some people I say the word paleocon, and they're like, "What the hell is a paleocon? What the hell does that even mean?" Is that like a diet? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's what I. I'm on the paleocon <laughs> diet, but like you know, conservative commentators come up with these terms essentially to differentiate between general uh, philosophies and trends, and they're so they're so malleable that they tend to. Tra- that, that they tend to change over the years. And I'm sure that's that's true of people on the left, too. Right. You know what I'm saying? 
and like that's where the atomization of groups like the Republican Party, which used to be a whole hell of a lot more unified, uh, sort of come about. Uh, but, but what? So let's, go well, I was going to answer to your point about the atomization of people because uh, there was a Pew um, article that came out stating that um, iGen or Gen Z, that's us. Uh, we're more open uh, in terms of Bazillers. cultural issues. We're more open to like same-sex marriage, um, even no matter how new it is, um, trans, just the, the topic of um, trans rights and so on. And that this article talks about how us, our generation, is more focused on specific policy proposals. So you yep. won't have anyone fit in, like you're saying, you can't like generally label because it seems that we'll take positions really based on policy instead of just ideas or platform. So I thought that was interesting to know. So we're, we're the most flexible we're shifting between Democrat and Republican parties? Yeah, we're more for policy, not politic, if that makes sense. I get that. Well, it's, I like that a lot, actually. That's an interesting point because, I mean, we didn't, we didn't answer the question. We talked about like what the older generation, what groups they more or less represent. But I think the younger generation... Yeah. I think in terms of divide, I think really with the younger generation, you have more libertarian on one end, and then you have alt-right on the other, and then maybe you have, you know, some of the, you have obviously some of the Trump cons and uh, the, you know, the uh, paleoconservatives and stuff like that. But like, I don't think there's, I don't think neoconservatism is really popular among people from our generation, mostly because yeah. we grew up in that sort of era, and we saw that that whole thing crumble. Mm-hmm. Like, I think I was, um, in 2008, I don't remember how old I was. I think I was 10 or 11. Yeah, like 10 or 11, and people were talking about the Iraq War and, like, John McCain. Nobody, nobody, when I was that age, nobody liked John McCain, is what I remember, because mm-hmm. they were like, John McCain wants to keep us in, in Iraq, but, but Obama's gonna bring our troops home. That was, like, all I heard from, like, you know, my parents and what from I heard from my friends at yeah. the time. So, and... You know, don't get me wrong. I know neocons who are, um, you know, uh, of our age group. Mm-hmm. But I think if you were to do a lot of polling on that, you find that they're very unpopular. They're I would definitely unpopular. find that unpopular. And I think if you polled people our age on the Iraq War, you definitely find, um, you know, we're a lot less in favor of it than an older, older generation. And I think that's. I think there is something historical to that, because the older generation. Neoconservatism really outgrew. From, it came out of the the Cold War mindset. Mm. It came out of the mindset that there's national security threats all over the world that we need to worry about. Mm-hmm. But with us, we we hit the scene and it was like there's there's no Cold War anymore. There's no there's no international um, you know big evil man that the U.S. has to go into some country to find and destroy. Uh, you know, and what has that gotten us in the past? It got us the Iraq War, where pe- a bunch of people died. It got us, you know, the Vietnam War. Um, and so I think our mindset's in a different place. Now, that's not to say it's in a better place, um, but it certainly is in a different place. So let's contrast that with what we saw on Tuesday with a bunch of the, the Groypers, which the, are basically... Groypers. Which are... That just sounds like so bad word. to me. I like hate gropers? that. Yeah. Like Yeah. It makes people. me think... Golfer, golfers, like it, it makes me think golfers. of people who like touch women. <laughs> oh, yeah, well, it sounds really like gro- it sounds like groper. So I, gropers, yeah, yeah, I don't know where the term came from, but like it's it's an alt right term that uh, I, I guess Nick Fuentes coined. It's like a you know that frog Pepe the frog yeah. on steroids. Yeah, it's that. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, that, I mean, that's that's essentially where a lot of it comes from. Um, so I think this, what we saw last week, was another big rift, and it was between the alt right and everybody else. They call it conservative Inc. Yes. Yeah. So that's like Turning Point USA. Mainstream conservatism. Yeah. Which, in a lot of ways, is basically the libertarians and the um, and the Trump conservatives. And I think what you have sidelined are traditional, are the you know the religious right conservatives, and the um, identitarians. the alt right identitarians. And I think what Nick Fuentes is trying to do he's is trying to merge them together, isn't he? He's trying to bring them together, and he's trying to basically declare war on uh, mainstream on mainstream conservatism as it is now. Yeah. Um, mostly because he thinks uh, mainstream conservatism, in a lot of ways, is superficial and it's fake and it's not conserving anything. All it is is it's just five years behind the Democrats. Well, well, five years behind the curve. Yeah, and I mean, I'm curious as to what you guys think. Do you think because, there's some truth to yeah, that? Yeah, I do. do you think I, there's truth to that? I do think there's truth to that because in 2008, Obama, he wasn't even, he's a Democrat candidate, of course, and he wasn't even in favor of legalizing gay marriage. No, back he wasn't. He in ran against it. Yeah. But now, 10 years later, the conservative, the conservatives are celebrating that fact. They, they're pro- proclaiming that it's Western, liber- it's Western values to allow, to allow this. Yeah. And to show how Western, val- how conservative values, how Western values it is, he brought on this one dude, Roy or Rob or Rob, Rob Smith. Yeah, Rob Smith. Yeah, like that's like the whitest name I've ever heard. But he's black and gay, <laughs> like the most like white, white fat dude who like you find working at your car mechanic shop. Anyway, yeah, um, he brought on Rob Smith as his token, um, like a token piece. Yeah, and I thought that was I thought that and was you can stupid be black too. and gay and yeah. conservative at the same time, right? And that so, so it so, just shows yeah. that like okay, the Democrats weren't even in favor of it ten mm-hmm. years ago, and now here you have the conservatives endorsing that. Mm-hmm. So what is conservatism really conserving? I, I think that's that the fact that it was a speech here on campus highlights why he brought Rob Smith. Uh, to the campus because once again citing this article I'm gonna just list like seven things our generation has in common that differs from the older generation before sure, us sure. Right. Um, here are some issues that stand out uh, Gen Zers and Millennials share views on politics and policy there's large generational gaps among Republicans so we already see that and that's kind of an option what does that mean large generational gaps between Republicans like uh, we were a lot different from them yep um, stark generational gaps views on race for one, mm-hmm. um, similar Gen Z and millennials have similar views on gender and family. Uh, across wait, who, wait, who has similar views? I'm sorry, I didn't catch that. Gen Z and millennials. Okay. Similar views on family. And then across generations, majority say financial and child care responsibilities should be shared, and then it gives a breakdown of um, yeah, both equality something. for two-parent households, uh, and that's actually pretty consistent except for the silent majority. Boomers, Gen X, Millennial, and Gen Z all agree. Uh, and then widespread enthusiasm for more women entering politics. And finally, this is among Gen Zers. Most likely to say forms uh, of online profiles should offer gender options beyond men and women. Mm-hmm. So I think what Fuentes is bringing forward is he wants to take on like the, the old neocon conception of conservatism. Um, uh, in my writings about the moral establishment, I talk about, uh, or I look at conservative America through a religious lens, lens 
and I see um, they all at least can broadly and superficially unite around um, the values of family as it relates to um, going to church every Sunday. Oh, they used um, to be able to unite. Them. Yeah, and I'm, I still think that's what he's trying to break down because that's not the actual case. Um, mm -hmm. Instead, you have evangelical Christians that make up 25% of America with a bunch of other sects now um, on, across the spectrum uh, not aligned or not in line like they would have been maybe even 30, 40 years ago. And so I think that's important. What do you think he's trying to break down? I think ultimately he's trying to break down uh, or bring into um, sharp relief the generational gaps. So Gen X, us, Gen Z, and millennials are very different from our grandparents and even maybe our older sets of parents. I think showing people because I mean, what do we all respect our elders? But to what point do we? inculcate their ideas and traditions when it comes to they, yeah, politics. They don't have the same issues that we have today. Yeah. Their, their set of issues are different. Their mindsets are different. Absolutely. So you think that Fuentes is essentially acknowledging the fact that this is where the younger generations are shifting, and as conservatives, we shouldn't be acquiescing to the shifts of what the younger people think. We should be actively rebelling against it. Uh, sort of in like a Hail Mary almost. Yeah. Like, you know, like a Hail Mary against like where he sees the world going mm -hmm. you know um is that is that yeah that's pretty that stated? yeah that's spot on that's what i think yeah and i mean obviously you know i can't really speak for what the trend is on the left but it seems to me on the right um things are getting a little bit more polarized in this respect because um now there's a lot more animosity between for example right uh, the goidbers and the um Turning Point USA gang. Right, because I think everybody is just kind of, they're retreating into their issues, you know, and everybody's got their issues to handle. And, you know, for Charlie Kirk, it's, it's you know, socialism. Uh, big issue, man. Yeah, you know, it's on the rise. It's everywhere. Oh for, God, yeah. for somebody like Nick Fuentes, it'd be immigration. For the religious right, I think most of the time it's gay marriage and abortion. And, and LGBT. And yeah. LGBT, yeah. And, and you had some of the questions in that event that were indicative right. of that. Right. Mm -hmm. So that's why it's crazy. That's why it's interesting what he's doing because I think he's trying to take like all those religious. I think he's trying to take all the disenfranchised elements of the right who are sort of basically what he thinks, you know, conceding mm -hmm. to the left on a lot of issues. And he's just trying to say, look, like, you know, these guys are fake conservatives. You guys have been excluded uh, because these conservatives are not conservatives. They're just leftists in sheep's clothing and they're grifters and they're fake. So come over to my side because my side represents the old conservative guard of uh, that, you know, really stands for um, – trying to conserve values and so that's why i think in a lot of ways that's why he's he's popular um because these people are just pretty disenfranchised and i mean like you know charlie like really you're between a rock and a hard place when it comes to um figuring out which side you're going to take because it's like who wants to take sides with charlie kirk you know i like charlie kirk is fake charlie kirk is a grifter charlie kirk is just an opportunist but Dear Turning Point USA. Fans. Right. I hope but, you are listening. <laughs> but, you know, at least in my opinion, Nick Fuentes is a nut job. Mm. I mean, come on. Like, a white identitarianism? Like, you know, I, I think that's nonsense. I think that's crazy. You know, I, and I that think. That sounds it, like something coming from the mouth of a person from the religious right. What's that? 
that white identitarianism. No, no, no. The opposite. I don't think re- the religious right are down with right white identitarianism. Well, I couldn't say, but I th- certainly think if Fuentes is successful, then they will be, and that's not good. Mm-hmm. I mean, you know, like how does that, you know, I mean, how does that reflect on the religious right in general? You know, like yeah, and I think that that there, is there, there was even one of the questions from the Groypers that say I'm not part of the. Like, he even said afterwards, I'm not part of the alt-right, I'm just a religious Catholic. The one talking about... Which um, one was that? Um, homosexual, or gay um, sex. That how guy? Did, yeah, his question was, in quotes, how does gay sex um, help us win the culture war? Well, that guy, I will say that guy was, was probably alt-right, though. And that's because uh, that's because he advertised D. Michael Jones. Mm, you know, okay. he, yeah. So E. Michael Jones, and that was when I when I got a red flag because when he started talking about E. Michael Jones, I was like, oh God, here he goes. And who's E. Michael Jones? E. Michael Jones is an open anti-Semite and a member of the alt right. Okay. And I I say that unabashedly, and I'm not saying that you know trying to label him, you know, and like you know just call him out. He has very um, he has very unconventional, unorthodox, and in my you know nut job views about uh, you know. Jewish people, and yeah, his right. his whole magazine is basically um, uh, culture war is what it's called. It basically is everything about the alt right except white identitarianism. Um, so you know, it's it's a lot of this like uh, America shouldn't be supporting Israel, um, you know, and this he, it's it's a lot of anti semitism. That's bad. It's not good. Um, not good at all. So, yeah, when he, I think when he started referencing, I think that guy worked for E. Michael Jones because he gave me his card. He was sitting right next to us. Yeah, he gave me his card. <laughs> he was sitting right next uh, to us. He, do you remember that? He was all suited up. Yeah, He's sitting yeah. right next he to us. Like a, he looked like a official of the thing. Yeah, well, I, he is. He's on, he's on E. Michael Jones's show, oh, I think. Man. And, like, he, he, he I gave, followed him on Twitter. He was talking. I started entering his DMs. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I mean, he was talking to me at the event. He was like, oh, some people from my organization are coming. And I was like, uh, what's that? He's like, culture war. And then he handed it to me. And I had no idea what culture war was. I didn't know that that was what E. Michael Jones ran. But he gave me his card, and I, I tore it up afterwards because I was like, I don't want to be associated with this shit. You know yeah, what I'm saying? put it in a shopping bag. Like, you put it in a shopping bag. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but that's the other thing. It's like, you know. There was, th- from that event, how many do you think were OSU students? I'd I mean, like from the Groypers. Uh, oh, zero. I know, in at my least opinion, one zero. of them. No, 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 there was one of them. Very small amount. Sure. Dude, they all looked like professional, like they looked a little older, they all had suits. Nah, there was this one short guy who was like a person of color. Yeah. And I do remember he that He was guy. the one person, I'm sure. And then, and then the one who talked about... Yeah, that about, was weird. Yo, the one question about dancing he shouted that He shouted that Nick Fuentes was an Afro-Latino, I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, there was another, there were two, there was one short dude who was brown, one guy in the line who I was talking to was brown yeah um there was the guy talk, talking about dancing Israelis I didn't talk to him afterwards but I'm pretty sure he was an OSU student yeah so, there were quite a bit of OSU students no, the, but there were the quite dancing a bit Israelis people. guy was white that guy was white yeah but I'm, I'm saying who how many of them were OSU students oh he was an OSU student I'm guessing oh, I'm just saying a very small percent I, no, I thought I you originally meant the whole venue I was gonna say like a 70-30 right yeah well, from the Goypers yeah Nick Fuentes would it would be about 50 Nick Fuentes put all those people up though he he told them to come from you he know tweeted. all around yeah, yeah and they, they did. They came from other places. They, they probably came Indiana. from like Yeah, they came from like Indiana, Dayton, um that guy who was who was from uh from Culture Wars magazine, I think, came from Indiana. 
So, you know, they, they this wasn't necessarily representative of some alt-right bubble at the at Ohio State. These people knew that Charlie was going to be here, and they targeted him. They came out all this way. Um, Speaking about Ohio, talking about Ohio State, yeah. Um, what are the different right-wing campus conservative organizations that exist? There's YAF, oh. YAL. Do you know anything about them? Oh, well, I could say... And Turning Point. And then yeah, so Turning... I, I know the... College Republicans. Yeah, I'm good friends with Nate... Um, Nate, uh, what's Turner. Nate Turner. Nate Turner is the president of Turning Point. They do, yeah. Jimmy Smith is the president of YAP. They're both good guys. I really like them. I think they're good guys. I enjoy talking to them. Um, you know, like the groups themselves really reflect more or less. Um, I mean, YAF is just Ben Shapiro. You want to you wanna learn about YAF? Just watch Ben Shapiro. You know what I'm saying? Like, in a nutshell, they're just Ben Shapiro. Uh, ben Shapiro times 300. And there's, like, a few ANCAPs in that group, like a narco-capitalist. <laughs> Yo, Tony wanna, Higgins? To, Tony, Tony find, Hyman, yeah, uh, Tony Hyman. If you want to find ANCAPs, go to the, it's like, Casual Debate Club at OSU. No, those... They're hilarious. Dude, that's not even a real org. Shout out to them. Yeah, no way. Funny. Whatever the matter. Um, Turning Point is um, more of the Trump conservatives, you know, obviously on campus. Um, and then my organization, the American Enterprise Institute, which is basically Neocon Central. Uh, welcome, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, uh, honestly, uh, the American Enterprise Institute is a, is a think tank, and um, they, we really are just more neocon. It's just so – it's very neocon, actually. Foreign, a bunch of foreign intervention, a bunch of economic liberalism. Oh, yes. I mean – if you like some of the speakers we have, like yeah, pr- pretty much. And then what's YAL, Young Americans for Liberty? Isn't that just, I uh, don't know anything about them. I I think I talked to one of their members, um, but I are they just libertarians. I'm pretty sure. Actually, I talked to that Jonathan guy. He's a member of theirs, and he what, from what he's told me, my brother was was like the YAL uh, lead, chapter leader at OU, mm-hmm. and he told me that they're essentially um, they're um, they're essentially. Uh, like libertarian left is what he said, which is interesting, right? You know, it's not the same as Young Americans for Freedom, who are like libertarian right, but um, you know, like yeah, he Young Americans for Liberty is uh, libertarian left, I guess is what you could call them. So in terms of conservative groups on campus, college Republicans, I I don't know, I I don't know shit about them. I just imagine they're uh, the old guard. Uh, if they're anything like the politicians uh, in Ohio, the Republican politicians in Ohio, then they're neocons, old old right, you know. So AEI, old right, yeah. Uh, college Republicans, old right, Turning Point, Trump fans, YAL are the libertarian left, so they're all about economic and social freedom. Yeah. Um, and economic and social liberalism. Yeah. Or what I mean by liberalism is that like capitalism. Right. And then YAF is just Ben Shapiro fanboys. Well, I mean, in a lot of ways. And I said I'm a member of, of YAF, you know? All right. Yeah, and I, I'm a big fan of Ben Shapiro, too. But, like, they're pretty much libertarians, you know, in terms of their, their outlook on everything. Okay, and then are there any other conservative campus organizations? Not that I know. Nope. Yeah. I, wouldn't, I wouldn't say so. Do you yeah. think the Gorefers would ever have their own thing? God forbid, God forbid they ever do. And that's the thing, is I think when a lot of people... Are there any religious right-wing campus orgs? Oh. 
I mean, in terms no. of like political advocacy or just shout out to the H two O shirt. Oh no, 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 no! They're students for life. Students for life. Oh, that's the anti-abortionist one. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that's about it. Aren't they just, just a bunch of young like, just. Yo, well, shout out to the H two O church for giving us coffee and lemonade in the cold. Um, uh, in wait, 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 wait! You sure that wasn't St. Paul's outreach who did that? I don't know, but H two O church was doing that. I know they do it. St. Paul's does that too. Really? Yeah. Is that your guys? That's my guys. Don't take <laughs> don't take it from the the heretics over H two O. Water. Keep it PC, guys. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I'm thirsty um, for redemption. <laughs> yeah right. No, I I, I love the H two O people. I think they're they're great people. Um, yeah. But I, I'm just making I'm making jokes. It's all jokes. Don't use that against me in twenty years. Uh, but you know, in terms of like religious right organizations, they really just don't exist. There's just like churches, but they don't do like advocacy. Uh, even pro life advocacy, no no churches do that stuff. They, there's a pro, one like one pro life group, but there's no groups out there. The campus Mormons. Yeah, the campus Mormons, right? Yeah, I, mean, I, I like the campus Mormons. Yeah. They give a, they they make OSU like a bit more special for me. <laughs> uh, well, you know, it certainly is fun talking to them. But I think you, if you get like anti LGBT, it's usually some lone street preacher. Yeah. No OSU organization. Yeah, no OSU organization. Yeah. The lone like street that. preachers though, those guys, those guys are all alone. Those guys, you know, they, none of them know. Oh, they just want to talk really them. deep down. They come with their posters. They come bodies. with a sign and they just yell for a while and and nobody takes them seriously. And, and it's then, really like, you have all the left wing people just like yelling at them back. Yeah, well, you know, that's that's a discussion for another day, though. You know, yeah. talk about the different rifts on the left and the different separations. You know, yeah, yeah. but I do want to make this point, and it's that you know when people think of the right and when people think of conservatism, I think people tend to think of it as a monolith. And I think that's true even nowadays, even mm. even now that though we have um, that we have these different groups. And I think the divide is not even as simple as the never Trumper versus the pro Trumper. It is not that at all. We were talking about paleocons, neocons, libertarians, right. tradcons, alt right, right, religious right. There are there are many different groups, and so there cannot be a sort of I think even from like you know if there's like a leftist listening to this, you know, it's like if you. There can't be a guilt by association, you know? You can't say, like, oh, I'm a Republican. Oh, well, that means you're a white identitarian, doesn't it? No. Uh, I think people would be silly to make that accusation, but I do think people tend to throw... some Like, like Ben Shapiro at Stanford, there's a left-wing group that's currently protesting him. They called Ben Shapiro anti-Semitic. <laughs> that just, is just take so a moment, stupid. Just take a moment to think about that. Right, uh, they called him anti-Semitic because he was a Zionist. I think just the, think you, about that. The left need to become like more educated regarding the different factions within the right. Yeah, and I think so that way they're able to better tailor their arguments. And, right, and you can't you can't throw somebody like Ben Shapiro into the same bin as Nick Fuentes. Just like you can't throw Charlie Kirk into the same bin as Nick Fuentes or Richard Spencer or any of these other people. You gotta hear their ideas. You gotta sort of find out where they're at, and then assess from there. You know, like um, that's just how it is. And whether or not these sort of right wing rifts can form together to become a, a coalition to allow a candidate to win, I think remains to be seen. And in twenty twenty, 
the Trump train is not looking too good. So that's why that's why you see a lot of people on the right jumping off and going on what else? The Yang Gang, baby. That's right, the Yang train. So you know so that all ties together. Yes, it does. So with that, I think that would be a good place to terminate the talk. Um, Your, I'm I'm Tom Fogarty. I'm Fahad. Uh, where can I find you on social media? You can't. At M O F O B O O T Y. I changed my at Mofo Booty. <laughs> and then Zane. I'm Zane. Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bally B A L I Bullet Bang. Yeah, nice. Very nice, nice name. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>